Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast episode of Of the Comics, By the Comics, For the Comics. I'm your host, Pat Truer. This was a fun one. Welcome back, repeat listeners, and for our first-time listeners, all of our episodes were previously recorded during a live virtual show in which we brought together five comedians from around the United States to do five five-minute comedy sets followed by a group roundtable discussion. And in this week's episode, our comedians... Well, we really dive into how to recover from the B word, that B word being bombing on stage, as well as uh, how to respect your values and stay true to who you are as a comedian. And I uh, had a lot of fun with this one. The performers on this week's episode were Chris Higgins, James Fisher Jr., Monique Marvez, Brittany Schmidt, and Cam Bertrand. This was a lot of fun. And for those of you who just want to listen to the group roundtable discussion, you can fast forward to halfway through. If not, we'll get started right with uh, each of the comedian sets. And another thing for your first-time listeners, you will hear me doing another introduction as this was previously recorded. Here we go. Good evening, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to Of the Comics, by the Comics, for the Comics. I'm Pat Shrew, your host. Thank you so much for joining us. Very excited for tonight's show. We have an amazing lineup of comedians from all over the country. One of the amazing things of virtual comedy is that you get to see people who are geographically located, located in different geographic places would have been the best way of saying that sentence, Pat, wouldn't it? Yeah, it sure would have, buddy. Uh, coming to you live from uh, what one comic is called a Swedish sauna or maybe an art deco barn. Uh, I just want to say right off the top, uh, thank you for all the warm messages I received from everybody. I'm on the clear. I've beat the VID, COVID. We're all good. And, and I've never felt better. I've gone back to uh, not washing my hands. It feels amazing. Uh, I walked down the grocery store down the wrong way. I often uh, pull down my mask and give a fake cough and ask people where the uh, cough and fever medicine is. It's, it's incredibly liberating. I, <laughs> I feel amazing. I've never felt better about my ability to protect my own home because I'm not a violent person. I don't know karate. I don't own a gun. I can barely spread butter on toast. Uh, but if you ask my girlfriend, one thing I can do is breathe on people while I'm sleeping. So I just put a little sticky note on the door says I have COVID and I just, okay, enough of that. We get it, Pat. All right. So I'm so, I'm so excited for the show. And uh, listen, uh, for the first time viewers here, we got a little bit different format than what you might be used to is that we're going to start the show. We're going to hear about what our performers have been up to a little bit of comedy in the second half of the show is we're going to get to know all the performers so we're going to talk about comedy a bit of a, a roundtable discussion so uh without further ado i want to bring up our first performer his name is chris higgins chris is from colorado i'm from colorado we met in chicago uh at a show at uh, the lincoln lodge i think chris was there and, and a comic who i was talking to trying to butter up just basically just handed me off to chris like hey you guys got long hair you're both from colorado why don't you talk so i <laughs> He's a, a very talented individual, and uh, I just always enjoy hearing what he has to say. Uh, so, Mr. Higgins, uh, what uh, would you say that during the pandemic, would you say it's made you more or less productive than before? You'd think so. When everyone, when like, the pandemic <laughs> came along, everyone was like, hey, I got all the time in the world. I'm going to finally write that screenplay. It, and it turns out the time in the world was not the answer for me. I, I don't know what happened. I'm like the, <laughs> My, the least productive uh, it's maybe like you have, if you want to pitch things to do later i'm out i'm out on things <laughs> I'm completely used to no things like I, I like like what do we chris how's it been every day i get up i wake up pretty late most of the time and then that, <laughs> that's, well, that's what i do all day They're like what'd you do today i'm like i got up and then i'm waited for the day to, to end like i have not <laughs> It's like I don't know, like it, like you put me you put me on unemployment and and you're gonna get a useless human. Like I, I don't like, <laughs> need to sit around. The saddest part is I'm earning more money than I've ever made in my entire life. Like I, <laughs> I that even happened. Like I I feel like it's been good though. Like it, like if we were like like when like I'm really good at stay at home orders. You know what I mean? Like if there's anything like like. Like if we if we have to do this again, like if they're like, all right, everybody back inside, I'm gonna be like, well, I, I've been I trained, I've been, I'm like, <laughs> like I'm very in shape. If in shape means staying on, in, I've 
my couch's shape. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the couch are fitting like a glove. We are together. Like I like, and I used to get a lot of crap. Like I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, Chris, like you're sleeping in carpe diem, like Latin. It's a dead language. The social. <laughs> kill the sayings along with this like i don't want to hear it anymore you know like i like sleeping like sleeping in is fantastic you know what i did today when i slept in i dreamt and dreaming <laughs> dreaming is way cooler than anything oh you woke up early congrats you you drank some coffee and you pooed more than i did and that's all, that's all. you cannot convince me anyone's a morning person i i dreamt and i you know you know what i did while you were sleeping and pooing i stopped a coup in Guatemala. <laughs> I stopped a coup in Guatemala. And yeah, I get in, in, in the awake world, you call it Guatemala. But when I'm asleep, it's Guatemala, okay? And it's a lot more fun to say. The neighbors, the neighbors, Nicaragua, okay? How much more fun is that? Just like down, down, down south, we got Argentina, Chile. I don't even know. Is it okay? Is it politically incorrect? I don't know. I was sleeping. Um, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's probably not okay. Uh, whatever. I'm not. I'm not a smart guy. And then I know I'm gonna have to get a job again after all this, which means I'm gonna have to lie in another job interview, which is what I'm good at. <laughs> I've gotten some real bullshit jobs in the day. Like I, like I got a. I used to work for people with PhDs, which. <laughs> <laughs> how how did I that <laughs> that was that is impressive I was impressive those are some like I they worked like like which is like how do you be, like to become a PhD by the way those people you get a little insight they're not they don't deserve to be called doctors like I, I I'm sorry like, <laughs> like oh yeah you're a doctor like can, if you can call yourself a doctor if you can answer the question is anyone here a doctor and you don't have to explain what it is. Then you can call it. <laughs> then you're a doctor. Like my, my bosses, they would have been like on an airplane and be like, is anyone here a doctor? It's like, well, can this man speak koala fluently? It's like, no, it's like, well, I can't speak this man. I'm sorry. Like, the worst, it's the worst job. I used to have like, you know, a bunch of shit jobs. I'll probably have to go get one of those again. I think bouncers are going to be a lot more in demand. Um, <laughs> After this, I think there's going to be a whole different kind of ba bouncer. I think my mom and I could probably get hired as bouncers together. You know, like I <laughs> a lot of mom-son duos in that. But I think we're going to have a team. I think we can start a whole company. I'm on the outside being the big, fat, dumb guy going, is this a fake ID? All right, well, come on in. And then my mom, <laughs> do what she's been training for her whole life, which is chaperone. I feel like a lot of people, like, you got to be on the inside. There's going to be mom bouncers that are going to be like, Okay, everybody, save some room for COVID. <laughs> room for COVID and Jesus and COVID. All right. Good luck, Mom. I'm in Chris. All right, Chris Higgins. Fantastic, Chris. Wonderful job, buddy. Thank you so much. You know, with these virtual shows, a lot of my friends are like, isn't that awkward clapping by yourself in your home? No, I do it every day. And all the time after I brush my teeth, tie my shoes, it's a real confidence booster. Uh, all right, Chris, great job, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm excited this next performer, Monique Marvez. Monique and I have not actually met in person, but she is just an amazing person. We were introduced through another comedian, and we've done a lot of work together. She's an outstanding human being, and uh, and she's been keeping very busy, uh, creating a lot of wonderful content. And I got to ask, uh, Monique, my question for you is, what has been the best part of the past few months for you? Um, well, I love that, we, that the last few months have been, you know, the holiday season, like pretty much from November to now. It's Christmas and the, the Valentine's. And um, I love remembering in my soul why I always booked myself during the holidays, like why I was always on a cruise ship or in a foreign country, or once I even went to Iraq, um, just because it was you know, better. And, uh, and, and one of the things that I've really enjoyed, and I'm not buttering you up, Pat, is um, working with you. Because, for instance, like just now, I, I don't have to fake anything. And, and, I'm not, and that's not code um, for anything like I don't have to fake I, <laughs> I, uh, just watching Chris and seeing the hat in the Ninja Turtles, like you can't, <laughs> that. like that wasn't a costume that he put on to do this show. He wasn't like, Oh, let me go through my costume bin and put on the perfect thing to make people believe that I'm good at being unemployed. Like one of the things about being alone a lot, I call it like getting a master's in Monique. Like I was always 
in clubs very good at crowd work, but it's because I'm observant. You know, when you see people, they're giving you signals. They're giving you, you know, little ticks and, and, and all of that. And when you do Zooms, you have so much time to stare and look at people and enjoy them. Like, just like, mm-hmm. and, and um, <laughs> even, no, I'm serious. And like my, my family, they, they insist on FaceTiming and texting and saying, let's be close. They were never close before the pandemic at all. Like, this is a completely new thing of, like, the family group chat where they post pictures and say, like, since we won't see each other grow. And I'm like, there's a few people that were in jail most of my childhood. Like, we, I never saw them. I didn't miss them. Like, and I was saying this before the show because, you know, I don't mean to point out James as, like, oh, there's another minority person on the show. Um, but, you know, if, you, if you're an immigrant, first generation, minority, I, I, I know I look like a middle-aged white woman with good credit, but... You know, I grew up in Miami in the 70s and 80s. Like, I've seen drama and trauma. I'll shank a bitch. Like, I don't care. (laughs) One of the beautiful things of being alone is that a lot of that sort of anger and angst and family, like, I'm starting to appreciate things because people are rebellious. When you take it away, all of a sudden, it's the most delicious thing in the world. Like, people got to have it. You know what I mean? It's like, I got to have it. And and even, even, like, theater. You know, I, I, I never went to the movies. The first 20 years of my career, I, I didn't see anything. Like, I just saw The Matrix like a week ago. Great movie. <laughs> because, because I was doing stand-up, you know, like every night of the week, open mic. And de- like back in the day when you had to drive like three or four gigs a night, you know what I mean? Like I built my career old school, the old-fashioned way. Like I did everything the old-fashioned way. Like even people are like, are you on Tinder? No. I remember the old ways. Like when you met people at work while you were married. And um, <laughs> like, like I'm old, I'm old school, you know, and I, and I'm proud of that. Uh, but, but uh, I'll leave you. I, I, I haven't got my timer on. T- I'm so apologetic about minutes. that. I got two minutes. Yes. Great. That's plenty of time. Um, <laughs> because one of the things I love about wisdom is that it's all about flipping the script on things. You know, once you embrace that humans are rebellious, so now, I, like, all of the things I thought were going to go away, like, oh, are people going to really want to still go to concerts? Are people going to want? Are you kidding? After the pandemic, straight men will go to musicals on Broadway. They're like, oh, you can't go to a show? Oh, no, no. Totally hetero guys would be like, Mama Mia, are you kidding? I can't wait. You know, like, like racist people would be like, Hamilton, sign me up. You know, like, it's going to be, like, like people are going to want to so go to live events. Like, Wilson Phillips can get back together and tour. People will go. You know, like, like Brittany doesn't even know who that is. Cam is like, Wilson Phillips? Never mind. Terrible yeah. group in the early 90s. You know what I mean? Like, how cruel is it to name an overweight girl Carney, the Spanish word for meat? Like, how mean is that, you know? <laughs> or like, a giant girl named Meat Wilson. How mean is that? She can go on tour and people would buy tickets. So... I'm excited to see what the world is going to be after this. Like, I, I might get a tattoo. That's, what, that's all I'm saying. Like, that's how crazy it could be. Did you like it? Was it good? Monique, it was fantastic. As Thank always. you. <laughs> 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 oh, Monique. Oh, Ooh. that's <laughs> I don't have any tattoos, but I'll get one. You don't have any tattoos? <laughs> not not a one. I was against them. But you were, and now yeah. what would you get a tattoo of? Post-COVID, anything. You don't know. It could be crazy. Vote on that. I get Trump on my butt crack. You don't know. <laughs> Not that one. That's- <laughs> <laughs> James says don't. No, don't do it. All right. Okay. Monique Marvez, that's terrific. Monique, great job. Fantastic. Okay, so our next performer, Cam Bertrand, another person I haven't met. Man, I feel like I, I, I've just gathered a whole roster of fantasy virtual friends in my life, and I've just been slowly replacing my other, like, real-life friends. You know, like, we've all had that this year. Like, we get our friends, and you know their status is like, ah, oh, he said something questionable. Like, no, nah, let's get him after the pandemic. But so our next performer, he's out of uh, Tampa, Florida, and uh, it's been just a, such a delight to work with. It's a, a fantastic dry bar special. Uh, Cam, I know that it was your birthday recently, buddy, and so... So I would love for you to just tell us all about your birthday, if you don't mind, buddy. <laughs> that seems like such a selfish thing to do. Yeah, hear about my birthday. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I turned 27. Uh, it sucks. I feel like I'm about halfway to, to being done. 
Uh, it sucks because like 27 isn't like old, but it's the oldest I've ever been. So it feels the oldest. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, but like I turned 27, but I still look 15. Like this shit sucks. <laughs> like my body's aging, but my face is still like, nah, we, we're good. Uh, I went to the movie theater on my birthday. Like I thought that'd be a good idea to just see a movie by myself because I'm a loner. Uh, I wanted to see the, the little things. And when I bought the ticket, right, I thought I was going to be late to the theater. So I bought it early. So I had it ready to go when I got there. I get there. I'm the only person in the movie theater. I was like, this shit is dope. And I scan my thing. I go to walk in. And the lady was like, hey, this is a rated R movie. I need to see some ID. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, first of all, like, okay, so I don't look 17. Like, that's whatever. Like, that's annoying because it's like, clearly I'm 17. But I was more so upset that I was the only patron in this building and you were really about to kick me out, bro. I'm trying to keep the lights on. Like, like, if you kick me out, you lose your paycheck. I was like, you know, I want my money back. I'm going to go stream this at home for free, stupid. This is why, this is why your business is going out of business. It's because you're being mean. And I, uh, I'm just a dumb person. Like, for my birthday, I thought it would be a good idea to, to buy a gun. I, I own one now. I have a, a gun. It's weird owning a gun because, like, Everybody I've talked to in the last two weeks that owns guns, they all have like the same outlook on guns. They're like, yeah, you got to own one. You got to protect your valuables. You got to hold your shit down. Make sure nobody takes your stuff. Problem is, is that the gun that I bought is the most expensive thing that I own. Uh, <laughs> like by far. It's not even close. Dude. Like, it's my gun and then my PlayStation. And that's it. Like if you broke into my house, you were like, give me your stuff. I'd be like, this is my stuff. This is, <laughs> this is all I got. All right. Like, it's frustrating to know that like nobody told me when I bought this gun how expensive bullets are. <laughs> you don't you don't get they don't come with bullets. You have to buy those separate <laughs> and they don't you can't just buy one bullet. I don't need a hundred bullets. I need one just in case bullet. All right. I need the bullet so that if you break into my house, I go bang. And if you're like, I'm still here, I go, everything I own is yours. That's <laughs> you have more more uh testosterone than I care to deal with today. Okay, you can have it. Like <laughs> so I have one gun. Zero bullets. All right. I own a bluff gun. I own, I own a gun <laughs> the same way a 15-year-old dude has a condom in his wallet. He's just like, oh, maybe. <laughs> it's so dumb. I, uh, my girlfriend and I moved in together at the beginning of the pandemic. Two months in. Two months into the pandemic, she thought it'd be a good idea if we just lived together forever. And uh, 60 days is not enough time to know a human being more like enough to live with them. Like, I wish I would have known before we moved in together that she squeezed the toothpaste from the middle of the tube like an asshole. Okay, like a wasteful human being. Like, now I got to cut the tube open and scrape out this arm and hammer because you're not going to waste my good toothpaste. (laughs) (laughs) I I just really wish I would have known before we moved in together that her favorite movie was The Notebook. Okay, like how unreasonable can you get? This dude hung from a Ferris wheel and said, if you don't go on a date with me, I'm just going to let go. That's the dude that you want, Noah. That's your guy. <laughs> but if I tell you I'm willing to drink your bath water through a bendy straw, all of a sudden I'm the weird, creepy one. All right. <laughs> that guy's suicidal. I'm just thirsty and creative. Okay. <laughs> he wrote her a letter a day for an entire year without getting a single letter back. Right. So we're watching this movie. And she was like, oh, that's so romantic. Would you do that for me? I said, if I send you two text messages and don't get a reply, I will delete your number, okay? <laughs> My unlimited texts. <laughs> I'm not be part of this. Spray doesn't condone that nonsense. <laughs> I think that's all I have time for, man. Uh, well, thank you for having me, dog. I hope, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah Bertrand. All right, fantastic, buddy. There's no, not, there's no not awkward way to end this set. Just to be like, bye. <laughs> Listen, uh, there's no smooth transitions in this show. There's none. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's terrific. Uh, all right, so our next performer, James Fisher Jr. Uh, I really like telling this story to people outside of shows as well. I met James when I was running shows in Chicago, and we would sell tickets. 100% of the ticket sales would go to charity. I know I'm a great person. And uh, James was the only performer that came in, you had to go through a process. You had to go to the open mic. If you did well at the open mic, then you got a lot, then you were a part of the show. James was the only performer out of a couple thousand 
that said, who came to the open mic, he said, hey, I really like what you're doing. I really want to be a part of this. So what do I have to do? And he was a staple. He performed the most times at Joke at the Oak, uh, which was the name of the show, which was the Denver Broncos Bar in Chicago. Just a delightful human being. Has done a wonderful job on so many shows this year. Uh, James, you and I have talked uh, during this time. Obviously, everyone's spending a lot of time by themselves. James, what have you learned about yourself during this past year with so much time to yourself? Uh, I think the, the one thing that I've learned is I don't like people as much as I thought I did. Because <laughs> 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 at the beginning of this, everybody was freaking out going, oh my God, I miss people. I need to hug people. We have to go on walks now. How are you holding up? And I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I have my food, my video games are here. Like why would I need to leave? Like, this is my perfect scenario. And the world's on fire outside. I'm dancing in here. This is great. <laughs> Somebody tried to get me to go on a walk. Somebody tried to get me to go on a walk. And they're like, come on, we got to get outside and see each other. I was like, I'm playing Mario right now. Get out of my face. <laughs> like, what's, what's more exciting to you? Looking at your face or being an acrobatic plumber that rides dinosaurs? Like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Like I, I I don't leave my house. I've gotten used to being in my house, completely used to being in here. The only thing that I have not gotten used to yet is how no contact food delivery feels like a hostage situation. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time somebody drops a pizza off, I'm just like, oh, well, hey, hey, six feet, man. Come on, put the pizza down. Come on. <laughs> it's weird. I don't leave my house. I only leave my house to walk my dog and I have a tiny teacup Yorkie. His name's Jason. I will show him to you, but he's over there running around. But he's like this small. And I love him to death. But when I walk him, people, uh, they aren't afraid of me anymore. Like, not at all. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I don't want white people to be afraid of me. But when I meet one that's not afraid of me, I get a little offended. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> there, I, was walking, I was walking the dog, and this white dude walked past me and stepped in my shoe. I was like, excuse you, sir? He just looked at me and said, <laughs> and he kept walking. <laughs> like he, he talked to me like he knew for a fact that I still watch Spongebob I didn't like that <laughs> and I do I watch cartoons like I'm a very nerdy person I am but here's something I found out about myself it's another thing I'm finding out all kinds of things about myself just spending time alone I'm nerdy but I'm not smart and it's a very weird combination of things that happen <laughs> <in life. laughs> it's, it's really worth knowing the names of 247 Pokemon but not knowing math you know what I mean like I, I don't know <laughs> I don't get like what's wrong with being nerdy. Like in high school, yeah, you're judged for everything. But as an adult, what's wrong with being nerdy? What's wrong with liking cartoons? Why don't other adults understand why other adults like cartoons? A magical world where anything can happen? Why wouldn't somebody like that? That mm -hmm. sounds amazing. You know what I don't understand? Why grown white women love murder mysteries. Why do you? Why, <laughs> why would you love something? Why would you watch something where you're the subject of it so much? Like, like 100% of the time Like black people don't love watching Roots Like no we don't <laughs> We just watch it every Black History Month To remember the hate and then we put it back on the shelf That's it <laughs> <laughs> so If somebody dropped me into an episode of Spongebob I'll be like, I, I know what's happening I'm ready I'm like oh we're going to annoy the squid We're going to eat burgers have a good time It's great Somebody dropped me into an episode of CSI I'm crying until my mama comes That's all that's happening <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerdy person, and uh, because I'm a nerdy person, I have the capacity to hold a lot of information, but I don't use it to, like, help the world. I just remember weird facts about Japanese cartoons. And I, <laughs> like, I, I do. I think about things very weird. Like, have you ever heard the saying, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's probably a duck? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I hear that, all I think is, why are we looking at this duck so close? What's going on over there? Or, <laughs> <laughs> like... I think about questions I'll never need to answer to. Like, why when you fart, it gets trapped under your covers, but it goes straight through your jeans? Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> Here's one I've been thinking about recently. Um, does Spider-Man's spider sense work on just life-threatening danger or everything? <laughs> like, if he gets a call about his extended cars warranty like does he immediately know it's a scam <laughs> like does he say something corny back like he does in the cartoons like i may be a spider but i'm not getting caught in this web click like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> i 
I don't like we already have too many reasons to hate each other. Don't hate me because I'm nerdy. We already have too many reasons that we divide and hate each other. Like we all agree that racism is wrong, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's sure. too quiet. I'm gonna leave Pat. <laughs> yeah, it's wrong, correct? Yes. 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 Why? Because inherently it's wrong to judge somebody by something they can't control, which is what race they're born as, and then judge them by all these things we make up. Black people are good at basketball, Asian people are good at math. It's wrong to do that, right? Yes. Yeah. I, what is the zodiac, and why are so many of y'all listening? Like, why? Why? <laughs> why are you fair to say we're not compatible? Because my parents had sex in January and not September. Like, I didn't do that. That was my choice. <laughs> I'm not saying don't believe in the zodiac. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying it's celestial racism. That's all it is. <laughs> if you don't want to date me, you might as well call me a Gemma nigga because that's how you actually feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I. You guys have been great. I'm Jason. <laughs> All right, Jason, you junior. James Grace. <laughs> Fantastic job, as always, buddy. Thank you for doing this, Sam. Okay, uh, our next performer is just a, a wonderful individual, very talented. I met her through the same person I met Cam through. Uh, she's got a, a really unique ability just to tell things how they are. And, and find the humor in it, which I really appreciate about her. Her name is Brittany Schmidt. She's out of California, uh, originally from Wisconsin. And uh, Brittany, you ju you've just been a delight to work with. And I want to ask you, we haven't talked in a while. Uh, how has uh, the past few months of quarantine been for you? Uh, quarantine's been great. I learned one major thing, which is that I feel like um, if you haven't heard from an ex during the quarantine, uh, you probably suck in bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was it was crickets for a while, and I was like, no one's hitting me up. Maybe my shit's not popping like I thought it was. And then, uh, and then my husband was like, maybe it's because you're married. <laughs> I was like, you ruin everything. Um, I had a couple rock bottoms in 2021 was when I emailed uh, a leggings company uh, questioning the integrity of their fabric because my leggings <laughs> kept ripping. <laughs> and the woman politely was like, maybe you need to size up, honey. And I was like, I am not a large. And then she sent me a large and I was like, well, call me large Marge, bitch, because <laughs> perfectly. I uh, accidentally gained 20 pounds is what you're hearing me say. And, uh, you know... <laughs> I took the nice woman at Spanx to let me know that. Um, <laughs> I am, I'm sober now, uh, but I used to drink a lot. <laughs> I used to party. Um, and, and being an alcoholic is interesting because it's a disease, but talking to other people with different diseases is, is really difficult. Like if you talk to someone with diabetes, they're like, yeah, if I eat this Snickers bar, I'll lose my foot. And I'm like, right. So if I drink an Irish car bomb, I'll fuck a mascot. <laughs> you know what I mean like that's, that's the page I'm on um but my friends are are very sensitive now that I don't drink they don't want to drink around me ever and I think it's a little weird I was on FaceTime with my girlfriend the other day and her boyfriend came in and was like want some Prosecco babe and she's like I can't I'm on with Brittany and I was like well first of all we're on FaceTime so I think you can do it second of all if I'm gonna relapse it's not gonna be on Prosecco it's gonna be <laughs> going to be on whiskey and black guys. Um, <laughs> I will say this though, uh, fucking a white guy is like eating a salad. Uh, you don't do it because it's the most filling option. Uh, you do it because it's good for you. <laughs> My husband's white, so now after we fuck, he's like, I'm a salad. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, when you're married, you have to do stuff for your relationship, uh, for yourself, just to keep your relationship healthy. So I go to therapy and I feel like therapy is like a very well-intentioned pyramid scheme. Um, <laughs> like every time I go to therapy, I come back and I'm like, babe, me and my therapist think that you <laughs> should go to therapy. <laughs> and so he got sick of me nagging and I, he finally was like, fine, I'll fucking go. Fine. And so I texted my therapist. I was like, Oh my God, he's going to go. Who should we send him to? And I'm, 
Not shitting you when I say she sent me the hottest person I've ever seen in my entire life. Like this bitch was wearing a choker in her professional headshot. Like as a therapist, can you imagine waking up and being like, headshot day, what can I wear to make them take me seriously as a medical professional? I got it. A choker. Nothing says I suck dick to trick my Fitbit quite like a choker. Right? <laughs> Anyway, uh, people always ask, like, when you're married, if you're going to have kids, they want you to have kids really bad. Um, and my husband and I don't want kids because we want um, our marriage to work and sleep <laughs> and, you know, money and all those things. Um, but no, a- another reason I don't want a kid is because I'm still raising my husband. Like uh, the other day, <laughs> the other day, he scratched his legs until they bled. And I was like, babe, you got to use lotion. And he's like, I don't believe in lotion. And I was like, well, it's not a belief system. It's science. And I was like, if you were black, you'd be ashy. And he's like, if I were black, you'd love me more. And I'm like, that's all science. (laughs) I feel like uh, relationships are hard in general, even if you're not married, but they're harder for girls because as girls, you're raised being told all this fantastical shit about what your love life is going to be like. Like your dad calls you princess and you're like, oh my God, there's going to be a prince and a castle and a horse, a man. Um, and my dad just called me squirt, uh, and I couldn't even live up to that. So, um, I, I'll leave you guys on this. My, we just moved into a new neighborhood, getting to know the neighborhood. I saw this dog, this guy a couple times now where he's taken his, his dog on a walk and he just leaves this giant, it's like a medium sized dog that takes giant shits. And I'm like, Hey, I was just like, well, this is no way to make friends with the neighbors. But I was like, why don't, why don't you pick up your dog shit ever? And he looked me in the eyes and he said, Bitch, I smoke crack. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. That is the best excuse for anything ever. Like, when you go home for the holidays and your family's like, why are you still single? Just be like, bitch, I smoke crack. Give them something to talk about. All right, you guys have a lot of fun. I'm Brittany Schmidt. Thanks so much. All right, Brittany Schmidt, everybody. Terrific. Now, Brittany, thank you so much. Okay, everybody, we got the second half of the show. This is, uh, just, uh, this is some time just to hear about uh, just different comedy experiences that all the performers have had over the course of their careers. And uh, so I'm just going to kick us off with a question. And uh, I don't know who I want to answer. But the question is for everybody. What was a mistake that you made early on in your career? Actually, I don't want to say early on. Let's just say any time in your comedy career, a mistake that you made and the story behind it. Uh, and I want to start. Let's go. Monique, we've talked about this a couple of times. Let's start with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I said this off uh, the show, but um, now that I've seen everybody else's performance, I thought it was like a PG-13 situation. Uh, but, <laughs> but, now, but now that I've seen everybody go right off the rails, um, here's an absolute uh, true story. It, I, I don't know that I should tell this. Um, I, I slept with a doorman uh, at, at a club. <laughs> And I mean, I really put my back into it. Like I was good. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you're a female headliner and you get the girls out, you don't, you don't really have to work that hard, but he was cute. So I really threw my back into it. And, um, and he, he told people that we, you know, had a a thing going and, uh, thank God this was before the internet when people had to, you know, page you and let you know, Hey, so-and-so says you guys have a thing going. Um, so I could squash it a lot. It's not like now where we would get into a Twitter war and he would send me dick pics and it would be bad and he would have evidence like me, like, you know, but, um, (laughs) so yeah, I think I, I think I caught up with everybody now. (laughs) But Monique, it's always great to see who actually read the pre-show emails or not when the only content guidelines were nothing racist, nothing violent, just be generally respectful. And I, and I, and I followed it, but you know what? It was boring. So I'm going down the same road. I'm going, you know, right off the, they heard it now. (laughs) I respected that a lot, Pat. (laughs) So used to be like, we got to be so clean. This is totally different. James, what about you, buddy? What's your answer to that question? Um, I think, and this is something I found out like recently with like things shutting down is you can't, you can't necessarily put all your eggs in one basket or you can't like, just think one place is going to be like, that's, it's just going to be it for me. Like you can't do that. Like you have to keep being creative on your own and you have to keep doing, uh, things on your own and keep progressing yourself regardless of what opportunities people give you. 
Mm-hmm. Like you have to keep doing it yourself. Like I, um, I, I'm, am I, do I tell a story? Can I tell a story? <laughs> yeah, tell a story, buddy. Yeah. I'm not going to say the name of the place, but there was a place that I did a show at that, um, that when I got there, um, somebody who worked there, uh, just verbally abused me over and over again. Like, and, and I didn't, I don't know why. When I just walked in, they just decided they didn't like me and they kept saying bad things about me. And every time I was like, okay. And I just turned away and every time I was okay. And just turned away. Didn't say anything back. Cause I was like, you work here. I'm not gonna. And then it blew up and got really big. And at first I was just like, this is, this sucks. I really love performing at this place. I really love performing at this place. And I want to do more shows here. But eventually I got to a place and I was just like, you know what? You can do this. You can do this everywhere. You can do this everywhere. You don't need to feel pressure to go back to a place where you feel disrespected or hurt or uncomfortable just because, oh, this is the place that everybody goes is to do it. And you can't necessarily rely on this place for things because the reason they came to you is because you have something. You're funny. You already have something going for you. You can do that without these places these different places and these different avenues and you can find other places to perform in other, um, and just other avenues to, to get your creativity out and do things. And now, like, like I said, I do zoom shows with you, Pat. I have sketches that I release, uh, three different sketches a week. I have a small crew of people that I film with and we write together. And it's just, it's been so good doing that, that when the incident first happened, I was super angry but now I'm just like, I'm, I'm still not going back to that place to perform. And now I'm less angry about it. And now I'm more just like, I didn't need to anyway. I didn't need to. And I'm better off just doing what I'm doing. And I've made major progress in everything that I've been uh, working on so far. Cam, you're right. nodding your head on there, man. Does that resonate with you, buddy? Nice. Yeah, no, I agree. You got to respect your, you know, your core values. And if you feel like you're being disrespected, keep it pushing. This is a yeah. long game. There's no reason to, to settle for something where you're like, oh, I'm, when it stops being fun, that shit is, is uh, you know, it's not fun. Um, yeah. I can answer that question, though. Like, I have a whole different thing that I learned. Uh, <laughs> bro, early on, this is like my third set ever as a competition, right? I learned that just because you wrote the bit doesn't mean you got to do the bit, all right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had this joke, and it was a two-part joke, and I was doing this competition set, and I did the first part, and it bombed horribly. And I just didn't have enough time to adjust. And I didn't have the wherewithal to go, oh, no, pivot. Go to something else. Move on. And I was just like, I got to do the second part. You ever double down on a bomb? On like, <laughs> Everyone has. Like it's different when you double down of like, I think this this payoff will be worth it. I was doubling down knowing. I was like, this is not going to end well. Like it was about uh, – <laughs> Do you remember the commercial where the person had the the throat remote thing and they were like, I've been smoking for so long. It was that, right? So I do the bit and I've got the microphone. I was like maybe two, three months into comedy. So I grab the mic. I do it here trying to like reenact the commercial. The microphone doesn't pick up what I'm doing. So it's bombing because the act out's bombing. And then it's bombing because the joke is terrible. And then I do the second part of it. And I was like, Wow. (laughs) I don't have to do the joke, even if I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, Chris, what about you, buddy? What's the mistake you made, man, that you learned from? Well, what, what, uh, what James said kind of resonated with me and I'm happy to name the uh, institution. Uh, What's it called? I O. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I put my eggs in that bag. Hey, wait a minute. No, what, well, I, like, put your, you know, what you were saying is like you were, you, you know, you, you depend on an institution that you like to perform yeah. at. And then, uh, and then the realization that they, that they uh, aren't for you or are yeah. not where you should be or, or they don't deserve you uh, can often lead to better things. Like, I, yes. I, I came to Chicago. Main reason I moved to Chicago was to do stand up and to do improv. And then I, um, Got into that um, well-worded uh, name-dropping Ponzi scheme, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and was fooled by Sharna Houtburn and her and her dogs, and, 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 
Wow. I'll name everybody. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> you go to that place and they're like, we would like you to pay for as many things as we could get you to pay for. Like you, like you even get on a Herald team and they're like, okay, rehearsal money. You, you owe us money for rehearsal and owing in your director. And then that's when I was like eggs in all one basket. I'm freaking doing stand up. So like, yeah, I think, I think the main mistake I made when I was, um, in the beginning was uh, thinking I could be like a, you know, like a, a jack of all trades and a master of none. When in reality, I think you need, you need to lock it down and focus on, on what you can be good at. And I don't, I don't really like write pilots or think I'm going to do TV or anything like that. I would want to do stand up. So like, that's all I focus on. Like just do it. The, uh, the way you all have described it makes me feel, makes comedy in general, just feel like that middle school fundraiser. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, yes. no $10,000 worth of things for this whistle. Like that's, yeah. what, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. That's too what it good is. For this thing you barely want. And you're like, all right, well, <laughs> cool whistle. <laughs> After, 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 people have great experiences selling that whistle, but I'm out. It's <laughs> good. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, it's very much like a pyramid scheme in in the sense of like there are people who work their way up in the pyramid scheme and sell a bunch of stuff, and then they start putting stuff out to other people. And if you work your way up in it, more power to you. But yeah. most people are just like, hey, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that, and then. They get a whistle or they get like, congratulations, you sold 10,000 of these. What do I get? 10,000 more to sell. Like, it's not. Yeah. And I was, and Chris, I was laughing because I was laughing because you said, I'll say the place IO. And I was like, that's not fair. Your place is closed. Mine is still open. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I and I don't want them to send ninjas after me. That's that contributed to my uh, fearlessness for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to. I want to ask Brittany. Brittany. Yeah, I, I want to hear what Brittany yeah. did. Brittany, what was the mistake you made earlier? What you've learned from it, or anything that was said that you resonates with you? Yeah, I was uh, like six or seven months into comedy, and someone asked me to go feature for them on the road, and I didn't know what that meant, and I didn't know how much time it was, and I think I had like six or eight minutes of material, and I. We got to Vegas and he was like, okay, so you're doing 20 minutes. And so I quickly tried to write 10 more <laughs> minutes of material, <laughs> which anyone who knows how comedy works knows that's not how it works. Um, so, and then I, I made even more of a mistake that when I went to go do the material, um, I did the new stuff first. <laughs> <laughs> So the stuff that he saw me do that he was like come feature for me with was nowhere to be found and then by the time um I was I think seven minutes into that set I got the light and I had to get off stage and go to the <laughs> hotel room and take an ice cold bath and try not to kill myself because it was just the most epic bomb there was a point in the set where someone got on their phone and it was a packed house at the foundation room in Vegas packed like someone got on their cell phone found a cricket noise and played it as loud as they could oh. and then yeah and then they lit me and um yeah it sent chills down my spine and then I had to go do another show at, at 12 o'clock that night I had another show that was obviously not a feature set but they they cut that set too it was supposed to be like 10 minutes they cut it to five put me first they're like get 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 out of here so yeah that I was I, I learned to, to write so fast you're just like looking at everything you're like traffic's weird uh <laughs> right. is a thing right and you're like, yeah it. I was like, what, what else can I talk about yeah it was, oh, why do I have two beds I'm it's only me in this hotel room right? <laughs> <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever gone to a hotel room yeah <laughs> well that's I also like I like that you did the new stuff first and then they give you the light and you're like no no, no let me actually do the actual joke yeah. now <laughs> I can fill the next 10 like yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, Brittany, how did you recover, right? You said it's an epic bomb. We all go through the epic bombs and we all have yeah. different processes for how we recovered. How did you recover from that and then keep going? I mean, truly, I didn't recover. I still feel it today. Like when I talk about it, I still feel so much shame. Um, those bombs, I think, really stay with you for a good reason. But I just learned to ask more questions. I think I was so scared in the beginning of like, I, you know, you go into anything wanting people to think you're a pro or you understand the business completely so you don't look like a hand job. But like, I'm like, I need to ask questions so I don't get myself in a position where I, I make a fool of myself like that again. Um, how do so, you look like a hand job? I've not heard that expression. <laughs> I needed I needed to know. Oh, I don't know. I just look like a fucking idiot. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. 
All right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that lingo. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's, it's easier to ask the questions up front and feel foolish in the moment than to get to that situation and then just, you know, feel something way worse, way worse than foolish. <laughs> like learning how to handle a bomb is 80% of this entire game. It's yes, just yeah. learning how to adjust to a bad set. Because the good sets, you're like, oh, that was dope. And then you just don't want to hear shit from anybody. You're just like, that yeah. was cool. And then you have a bad set. And you're like, why Why do I even do this? Like, you got like, yeah. to handle that. Dude, like the, I would spiral after a bad set. I'd be like, shots. Like, let's, you know, let's black <laughs> out. Why would, why would I want to remember this? Black out. Why would we not? Uh, yeah. I've had a lot of nights of, like, going on the road, bombing, and then throwing up on the outside of my friend's car and then paying for, like, him to get his car detailed. And I'm like, so that was an expensive bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I I think you definitely you need people in your life like in your comedy world who when you bomb they don't sugarcoat it they tell you mm-hmm. that you then they let you know I remember the yeah. first major bomb I had as a comedian in Chicago named Ed Towns he's one of my good friends and I bombed and I got off stage and we hadn't even known each other that long but he just put his hand on my shoulder and said damn they and walked away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I was yeah. just like, and it, and it hurt, but I was just like, all right, so this is normal. So he he knows this happens. And then yeah. they want to like get back up and try not to do it again. Yeah. But if you have people just coddling you and not telling you that you did bad, you'll you'll get up there and you'll go, nah, I was the audience. And you'll go bomb well, somewhere it's, else. It's, it's crazy to me that people don't know when they bomb. But you know, like, it's crazy to me that there are people who are so confident and they like are totally bombing and they're so confident and then they get off stage and they think they crush. And I'm just like, what planet are you on? I, I want to follow that when you're done, Brittany. Yeah. Or the people who, the, the thing is most comics know when they're fucking bombing, they don't need to be told, but like when you fucking bomb and you get off stage and you're just like, was that okay? It's like, <laughs> what planet are you on? That was not Okay. The worst is when they're happy, when they're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You're like, why was that yeah. fine for you? Why is, yeah. Did right, you know what we saw? Here's the thing, Brittany. There's a couple of things that go with that. I think being a woman, we are far more sensitive to approval. I think that male comics are much more likely to bomb and not know it than women. In fact, I've had sets where I thought... I was, wasn't good. And people came up and said, it wasn't your best set, but you're beating yourself up. And I think that comes with, with being a woman that we, you know, we yeah. don't want it to be a little bit good. We want it to be really good. And going back to your story, this actually happened. I've, May 31st will be 31 years since I started open micing. I, my first night on stage was May 31st, 1990. And I keep a set diary. Like I know how many times I've been on stage, who were my middles, who did guest sets, like I keep OCD records of my career. And, um, and interestingly enough, early on, there was a group of us. There's always like a group that comes up together. And, you know, we see each other on Thursday night, open mics, whatever. And, uh, and I worked with a guy, and I'm sure he's out of the business because he's probably not even alive, uh, named Steve Dupree. And this guy would take street jokes and retread them. And they were terrible jokes to begin with. And then retread, they were even worse when he tried to make them sound like material. And the audience was just silent. And one day he walked up to, he walked up to me dead serious in front of the, all the other group. And he said, like, Monique, I, I appreciate your opinion. How do you really think I did? And I looked at him with no irony in my face. I said, I think they were just in awe of you, Steve. And, you know, like they, they, they were silent. And he totally took it. He's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. It never wow. occurred to him. Like when I, they were in awe of you, Steve. And the other comics were like, is this happening? Is this an alternate <laughs> universe? And he, he totally took it as a compliment and walked yeah. away. Like talk yeah, about it was the audience. Just, yeah. That is powerful for somebody to just be like, you meant that in a good way. And like, that's, that's a big part of comedy, man. I watched this dude set one time and uh, afterwards he comes up to me, he goes, what did you think? And he was like fishing for compliments. And I was like, that's a nice shirt you got on. That's a really nice shirt. <laughs> he was like, but what about my set? And I was like, that's a super nice shirt you got. You're not going to talk me into complimenting your set if I don't mean it. That's, that's reverse bullying. Don't make me, don't make me be mean. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to. But on the other hand, don't offer if they don't ask. Like I was dating a guy and I hadn't given him the comedy rules. 
Mm. And, the, and the middle just ate it, just ate it horribly. And you could tell that was more the regular case than not, that he was just a club favorite because he sold all the 10,000 whatevers to get the whistle. And um, <laughs> so they would let him middle. Uh, and he, he was just standing there. And the guy I was dating walked over to him, dead straight face, and said, I'm just curious, like, what made you think you could do this? You know? <laughs> I was horrified. It's like, you can't do that to somebody. That's brutal. Because that's not even like, hey, man, you had a bad set. You'll get him next time. That's like, you should never do it. <laughs> no, no. I, I was like, you can't do that to people. That's not how, that's brutal. That's not how this game works. No. <laughs> Chris, Chris, you raise your hand here, buddy. Let's see what you got to say, buddy. Oh, he could have he could have gone up to him and been like, great set. Like, nothing hurts worse than that. When you get off, you bombed. You know you bombed. And somebody's just like, hey, man, great job. You're just like, get the, get, like, <laughs> get for me right now. Like, how dare you even say it? Like, like we all know. That's when you stay in the green room and you're like, yeah, I ain't even going to meet people after this show. I'm going to wait in the car. I'm waiting like, the car. That was so good. It's like, get, I'm never talking to how dare, like, like do you, oof. or like, I had one time someone come, uh, we were doing a showcase at, at the Laugh Factory here, and it was not a fun night. It was like when that room is empty, it's empty. And uh, it was like a Tuesday night, and uh, someone came up to me after b- bombing, really bombing, and then like pats me on the knee and goes, "You're gonna have a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun." And just like, and then I was like, "What world are we in right now? Like, are you and I in the same room? That one did not go well for you, and I am not looking forward to my turn like that." Is like, <laughs> Like the worst, yeah, delusions. Yeah, the honesty, the honesty is fantastic because uh, you want to believe it, right? Like, if, for me, if I bomb, I want to believe that I got a few good ones out there. Uh, and so, like this summer, uh, we did, I did a show in Steamboat. It was my first in-person show in the pandemic. So it was June, right? We went in. My last in-person show was February, and I went in. And, and sometimes, your old buddy Pat, I. Uh, I forget that I need to insert punchlines in my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> and, up there uh, ranting up there, just doing a whole podcast. <laughs> oh, you bet. I was ranting and like, there were some elderly people. I'm not proud of this, but I was like, this is probably going to be your last show. Let's, let's, let's be honest here. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally took that route, you know, and, uh, and my girlfriend, Jordan, she's just so honest with me and I appreciate it. And right after I got off the stage, she goes, boy, that was awful, huh? <laughs> I said, you're right. She goes, you need to reset before the next show. And it totally, I mean, it, that was exactly what I needed to hear because to me, I was like, oh, you guys, I'm going to tell my friends in my mind in Patland. I was like, and then you guys know what I said after that? <laughs> what I said after that? No, it was a whoosh. And she just said, that was awful. You need to reset. Yep, you're right. I do. And I, I need to. Punchlines. It's not insulting. Let's. Say it's not. I'm the one who's bombing. Not anyone else. Uh, but yeah, that honesty is just so important. Like the people that are close to you. Like sometimes it really does suck. Because like definitely I've had shows where my friends be like, "Boy, that guy before you was so funny." You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you, you need you you need. Yes, that I do want to ask you. How do you recover from bombs, man? Or like early on when you had some? What would you do to recover? Me? Oh. Yeah. yeah no, no, the other Chris. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I don't know. I just know. I probably smoke a lot of pot, to be honest. <laughs> uh, well, but, or, or like read. I, I like I like to listen to bombs more than I like to listen to. I, it's like a torture, but listen to <laughs> listen to the bomb, uh, dem, you know, voice memo over the. That way you can figure yeah. out what was wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, why didn't that? Why didn't that work? Game film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's really relieving. Yeah. You're like, oh shit, it wasn't. It was like I wasn't speak. I said like I don't know why I was saying like so much or something. It like feels that. it feels self indulgent if you listen to the good sets. You're like yeah, I'm killing yeah. Like, uh, you're like mm, I was really funny. Ugh, that feels gross. You gotta listen to the bomb to, to figure out how to do another good set. If anything, delete the good sets. You you know you you should remember how to kill is remembering how to get better. That's the the growth. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I want to put one question out for everybody before we close out. So we're talking about bombs, but just what's a favorite memory that you have uh, of comedy, of your time in comedy? And Brittany, let's start with you on this one. Just a favorite memory from comedy. 
Oh my gosh. I have so many, but it's probably just the hang. It's like just hanging out with comics after shows and just laughing and talking, just cracking each other up. I I think that was like one of the things during the pandemic that I didn't realize how much I liked it until it was gone. You know, just having that outlet of being able to fucking cut it up with people after the shows. That's just, that's my favorite. Absolutely. Monique, what about you? Uh, this is going to sound like a total dig me, but I'm, I'm going there. I'm sorry. Um, when I filmed for HBO Max last year, hey. at, <laughs> thank you. At the end of, we did two sets and they had to be exactly like to the second, right? So I was six minutes the first set and the producer came back and said, I feel like you went short. And the, and the director was like, no, she's the only one that totally hit it at like 559. Mm. And they said, okay, we have a good one in the can you've got an extra, you know, go a little, extra 90 seconds. And usually if you've planned something to the second, that would mess you up. But that extra 90 seconds gave me that magic. And mm. the second performance, I could lie to you, but it's the one they used on the special. I actually have a little bit more time than the other comedians. And in my soul, it was like, this is what 30 years of honing your craft feels like. Sit mm. in it, love it, you, you know, just... Just be in that moment. And it was it was magical. It was transcendent. Sounds dope. I said, Cam, what about you, buddy? Oh man, mine's gonna be a little bit more sad, but it's honest. Uh Eric Myers is one of the greatest comedians oh. recently. Yeah, I know I was gonna get sad, but like one of my favorite moments I've ever had. Uh, this is probably about two years ago. We're working together in my home club, uh, middling forum on an off night, and it was just one of those magic shows where like the audience is just hitting, they're on fire. I had a, a dope set and host goes up and that, that interchange between, you know, the host, you know, doing announcements, whatever I dap up Eric and I'm like, yo, you're going to have a blast. That audience is sick. And he's like shook. He's like, yo, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to follow that. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like I, I put fear in a, in a, a murderer. And I was like, yo, I can't believe he's like afraid to go up. He goes up first two minutes is like, it's kind of rocky. And I was like, did I just bury Eric like a light switch slaughters? And I was like, oh, my!" but like that, that feeling of like, I had one of the greatest comedians to have ever touched the stage. Amen. I had him shook for a moment. And that's one of those, like, I'll never forget that. And uh, RP to a goat, man. Uh, yeah. That's incredible. All right. That's well, that's a good one, man. Uh, James, what about you, buddy? For me, it has to be, um, like and everybody, everybody who does comedy goes to open mics, but it's just like the late nights at open mics and being with other people who are trying to do the same thing you are. Like there's a synergy and there's like there's a togetherness and it stand up like feels alone because you're up on stage alone and then you're writing alone and so much of it is in your head and you're by yourself. But those brief moments before you go up on stage, after you go up on stage, waiting to go up at an open mic that there's a lot of people at and you're out to like 12, one in the morning and just everybody's there for the same purpose. It, the togetherness of that, like yeah. that is something that I do miss, like not being a part of like, because of like all this, like I just love that feeling of camaraderie and Hey, we're in this together. Yeah. You go up 53rd. I go up 57th. Let's, <laughs> let's talk for a little bit. Like I, I just love that being together and like it's the closest thing like that adults will have to like making friends in college. She's like, oh, you like that? I like, yeah, let's, let's <laughs> drink. Like it's 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 great. I I love that. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, Mr. Higgins, to close us out, buddy, what's one of your favorite memories of comedy? Uh, I'd say like the the moments where like I get my like people who aren't really involved with comedy to come do something that's like comedy wise. Like I, I like. Uh, used to run a Saturday night show at second city and I got my, both my parents and they visited, got them to do like, like just five minutes of stand up, oh, um, wow. which is like, those are big memories. My dad murdered. So did my mom <laughs> was great too. My dad, my dad was unfollowable. Uh, and then, and then I also like uh, my little brother who's like uh, works in marketing as a, as a junior copywriter, he and I like started a sketch series together. So just like working with him has been like great. Like he and I have gotten, um, to shoot a bunch of sketches for this dumb account called God and Angel, but like, yeah, just doing doing stuff with like the guy who like I first like started making jokes with my my little brother has probably been my favorite memory. Sorry, uh, very corny, oh, but oh, yeah. Oh man, hey, it's you know, no, it's actually no beautiful. Apologies. These are all legitimate. There's no wrong answer. There's no apology necessary. It's real. It's honest, and that's what I appreciate. So. 
everybody, we've come to the end of the show here. So uh, before we do, everyone, I want you to, whatever you want to plug, we're just going to go in the order I'm seeing on the screen. So Chris, right back at you, buddy. What would you like to plug before we end the show? Uh, the Laugh Factory is open next weekend. I'm back at the Laugh Factory on Friday. So come on if you're live. What city? Chicago. Which one? If you're in Chicago, come to, some, come to, come to the Laugh Factory. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, terrific. All right. Cam, what would you like to plug, buddy? Um, I'm in Dallas tomorrow at Hyenas. There's two shows. I don't know if there's still tickets, but if there is, come. And if there's not, hey, my bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't check the ticket things. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm that Cam the Comic on everything. It's douchey, but it's real easy to, to find. I love you guys. Bye. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brittany, what would you like to plug? Um, you guys can follow me on my social media at Brittany Schmidt. And then I also have a podcast that I do with my husband called Fuck Mary Chill. And <laughs> I am um, headlining the, what am I headlining? The House of Comedy in Bloomington, if anyone lives there, on April 7th. And then I'll be in Portland at Helium the March 19th to the 21st. All right. Thank you so Not much. Not headlining. Featuring. All right. Mr. James Fisher Jr., what would you like to plug, sir? Uh, you can uh, follow me uh, at Vaudeville TV. We release sketches every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, sometimes Friday's music. And, uh, yeah, we, we have a lot more stuff that I've already edited that I'm excited to show the world. And, uh, like I said, I have a small group of uh, people that we meet and we film and we uh, write together. And I, I'm really proud of the stuff that we're doing. Hopefully we can... Um, take it on tour uh, soon and show sketches like just on the road. So yeah, vaudeville TV. All right. Fantastic. And Miss Monique to close out, what would you like to plug? Uh, right now, Amazon prime has re-released all three of my showtime specials, which are Latin divas of comedy. Snoop Dogg presents the bad girls of comedy. Tiffany's on that one. Hilarious. And uh, my own one hour, not skinny, not blonde. And I'm on the ha comedy arts festival right now on HBO max. So there you go. Pretty easy to find. All right. Terrific. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of the show. I'm going to throw in a plug. If you got nothing to do on Easter Sunday evening, come to the Laugh Factory Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, performers, uh, listen, I am, uh, I'm so happy that you were all, I really had a great time with all of you. I, I respect and admire every single one of you. I really mean that. And, uh, and thank you so much. Uh, I learned so much from every one of you, uh, no matter how many shows we've done together, I can tell you, I've pulled something from each and every one of you that has helped, uh, improve my own skills as a performer. So, uh, thank you so much for that. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, everybody watching, thank you very much. We got another episode next week of the comics by the comics for the comics, 7 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm Matt Drew, your host. Give it up. Clap by yourselves in your home for our comedians. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to talk before I pass out. We're going to end the show. Have a great night. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much, everybody. Performers, you were awesome. Thank you so much. I had a blast with you. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody, that's the end of the podcast for this week's episode. Like, subscribe, share with everyone. I'm Pat Truer. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.